Welcome to this week's episode of Birthright Living Legacy Podcast, where we share the stories of fatherhood and their effects because there is no manual. We are here to learn from each other as we build our fatherhood playbook. Now welcome your host, Marquis and Crystal Dennis. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know who it is and what it is and what we are here for. Just wanted to take some time to be able to do this wonderful introduction. You know, my favorite person to introduce into this wonderful, wonderful podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, put it up for my rib, my wife, the lovely Crystal Dennis. Oh, so excited. Oh, I got the fake and the real clap. That was great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Liv. Well, welcome back, everyone. We're very excited to have you and definitely excited to dig into this new podcast. We have a father of five today. Whoa. He's been married for one and a half years, and yes. he's just got a plethora of financial background, so he's going to share his journey with us. Would you please help me welcome Luke Frazier? Oh, oh Luke! <laughs> Luke! Chris, oh thank man! You. Thank you for that introduction. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Listen, well, we're, we're excited. We're excited. So, all right. So, in birthright fashion, our very first question we love to ask: What is your favorite part about being your father's son? Favorite part of being my father's son, man. It would be living up to my father's way of making the world a better place. Wow. Right? Right. Um, you know, we can all take our part in doing just that in our own way, mm-hmm. as, as big as, you know, the biggest things that you can imagine, and even in small ways. Yeah. Um, and that's something that was very important to my dad, and um, he treated everybody with the respect that, that people deserve, and... Uh, I'm proud to carry on the things that he's taught me and instill that in a future generation and continue that to go down, down our line. Wow. Did, uh, so is, is your dad still around? You no, just, dad, okay. dad passed away, um, suddenly whenever I was in college. So, mm, um, yeah, it's going to be a part of the story that I, I love to share. Go ahead. Um, go right in. Yeah. So I grew up in Skytook. Okay. Uh, small town near, near Tulsa here. And grew up playing sports and hunting and fishing and outdoors. He was a game warden, so I, oh, I, wow. had, I had the perks of you know getting to hunt and fish and in <laughs> some pretty neat places. Uh, so that that was really fun. And he was super supportive. You know, I, when I got home from school, he was out there playing catch with me, give, throwing me bat in practice, really? shooting hoops in the driveway, wow. and I would I'd stay out there until the sun went down, wow. and he wouldn't go in until I would. You know, and so he was there to support me, and uh, that's something that I've I've carried over to my children as well. You know, trying to get them outdoors more, and mm-hmm. and it's harder in today's society. You know, I mean, every, right. everything is so electronical and uh, online, and phones and games, and mm-hmm. it's sometimes a struggle. Yeah, but I think it's really important to get kids outside and, and to get them active and explore the outdoors and go fishing and do things like that, uh, because you know God put so many things on this earth that is, you know just amazing you know and it you can see god's work in the outdoors you know Mm -hmm. and just 
How how can you you're deny, talking to her heart? How, right how can you deny God when you when you see these sunsets and Thank you. beautiful mountains and you know all the the various wildlife out there? It's yeah. it's just it's amazing. See, you're better than me. I think of ticks and fleas and mosquitoes. I'd be like, nah, I'm cool. But, <laughs> You got to have the bad parts to appreciate the good in absolutely. anything in life, right? I've, absolutely. So, given a little context for those that aren't here in Tulsa, in the, the Tulsa area, Sky took uh, when you graduated. Let's say how how big was it uh, for your graduating class? I believe I graduated with um, a little over a hundred. Okay, a hundred in my graduating class, so rel- relatively small. What uh, what sports did you play? So, it's going to be an interesting part of the story. I grew up playing football, basketball, and baseball mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, also golfed and did you know a few other things. Um, but when I was a freshman in high school, I was young for my age. I matured late. And looking at those guys that were playing football, I was like, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to get killed. <laughs> you know? and, it, and it really tore me up not to, not to pursue that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did focus just on the basketball and the baseball side throughout high school. Uh, from there, I went to Northeastern uh, Oklahoma A&M in okay. Miami, and I played one year of baseball. During my time there, I broke my wrist, and I never mm. had the same same batting speed or anything, and so I ended up transferring to Oklahoma State, and it was the first time in my life I wasn't in a structured athletic, you know, and I, and I kind of found myself being lost, really. Really? Yeah, and, and this crazy idea started in the back of my head that, you know, if I would have been held back a year or, if, you know, certain circumstances would have played out differently, I had the athletic ability, and I knew I was stubborn enough and hard-headed enough to, you know, be a football player, maybe at a small school somewhere. But just with that small thought, it just, for whatever reason, it consumed my life. Like, I started working out, and mm-hmm. and at OSU, my I was fortunate because my roommate was a high school quarterback, so we would always go out, and I'd run routes, and he'd throw me you know, wow. balls and, and things like that. So at my second year at OSU, I ended up walking on. Mm-hmm. And one of the really cool parts about this was when I told my friends, and especially when I told my dad, you know, my dad was so supportive of me. And, and he, up to that point in my life, anything that I set my mind to, I was going to achieve, right? Right. But I remember when I told my dad, hey, I'm going to walk on at OSU. And I haven't played a, a down of high school football. Wow. And he was supportive of me, but I saw that, <laughs> I saw that look of, seriously? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I got that look from a lot of people, and that's one of the things that fueled me. Uh, but long story short, I walked on. I made it through the, the grueling cuts and, you know, all, all the things to make it onto the team and then put in my dues on the, on the scout team and put in the, the hard work for a year and, the second and third year at, at Oklahoma State, I received a full athletic scholarship. Really? So did you play with Jeremy? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, I That's did. awesome. Yeah, so Jeremy's our, uh, the board president uh, of Birthright, and he uh, actually introduced us. Yes. So I'm excited about that. That is where I met Jeremy. So quick question just for, you know, framework and, and context of your home life. Uh, was mom in the picture as well? Yes. Okay. And yep. did you have siblings? I did. I in a way, I had a sister that was 15 years older than me. So, okay. um, you know, she, she was always around, but being that age different, she was off to college and then in the career world when I was really growing up. So, um, had a sister, but quite a bit older and didn't get that true, you know, sibling bond where you live in the same mm-hmm. house every day. 
Um, yeah, and you definitely weren't following her around. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, well sorry. I've, I've heard stories whenever she was in high school and I was just, you know, a baby, she would put me in the back seat because when they would drag Maine, you know, all the <laughs> all the boys thought it was cool that she had a little cute kid in the back seat, you know, so she was trying to pick up guys with, with her yes, baby brother back there. That is awesome. Nice. Yeah. So what were those camping trips like then? Were they like survival since he was a game warden, you know, don't take anything and we're hunting to kill? And You know, it just, uh, we went camping and just enjoy the outdoors was the, the main purpose of, of doing those things. And, and then that instilled in, in myself, my own curiosity to, you know, we lived out in the country. So I was able to go out and explore the creeks and catch crawdads mm. and make trails and, and do all these things. So I, I spent a, a lot of time outdoors. I still remember my dad's whistle. He could whistle louder than any man. I could be a mile away and I could hear this, this man wow. whistle. And that was time, you know, it's time to come home for dinner. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so, yeah, it was a lot of hunting and fishing and, and enjoying the outdoors with my dad. Some, some of my greatest memories. Yeah. Really. Wow. So just a quick transition before we get into the story. Uh, what's your favorite part about being a father? Man, there's so many just blessings from being a father. Yeah. I would have to say, you know, the moments where you just see your children, whether they're running in front of you at the park or playing on a swing or where they're just so in, enthralled and joyous and not a care in the world, love yeah. and life. And, you know, I think we lose focus of that sometimes when we get older and we shouldn't. We should still have that look at life through the eyes of a kid. Yeah. And I see that in my, in my children. I just, uh, I just take those moments in and uh, can't get enough of those. That's awesome. That's awesome. So typically we do like an interview style, but I feel like you've got a like a like a whole story you want to tell us. For sure. So we're gonna we're gonna tap in at times, but tell us the story that you that you have narrating in your head. I would love to hear it. Okay. So whenever uh, I was at Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. I had made it on the team scholarship, got into my my senior year, my father, which he was my hero, right? I mean, just loved the man. Came down with pancreatic cancer, mm. right? And I was away from home. He was being taken care of, but I didn't see him as much as it, I wanted to. And uh, the last time I, I spoke to my dad, you know, I was, I think it was during season. I was, mm-hmm. I was playing ball. And I, I came home after a game, I think it was on a, a Sunday. And sat down next to him, and that last conversation, I, I so vividly remember him saying how proud he was of me. Wow. You know, he said, that first time that you ran out onto that field gave me goosebumps. Mm. Yeah. And during that conversation, my dad started crying. Wow. Because he was so proud of me. And I've never seen the man cry before. Wow. And... uh it was a special moment. And y'all can't see him, but he's about to cry now. And I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. It is. It is emotional. Um, but it's it's good memories. Yeah. Right? Um, going from there, I, uh, for the first time in my life, I was outside of athletics. Right? So I didn't have a, that structure. You have to be at practice at 4 p.m. You're lifting weights at 8 a.m. Uh, training table, you know. 
So I was on my own, doing my own thing. I, I moved back home to be around mom since since dad passed away, and it it really changed the trajectory of my life. I was originally wanting to stay in in the football scope mm-hmm. of things and be a grad assistant and, and work my way up through the college ranks and, and continue helping young men and, and staying in the game. That all changed when he passed away. And unfortunately, you know, going from achieving everything that I wanted and setting my mind to things, I started taking the, the wrong routes. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and I took I took every dead end that you could you could go down and I, I lost that I lost that confidence that, you know, talk, talking about children and they can accomplish anything they set their mind to and this world right. is, you know, whatever I want to do, I can I can go do it. And I and I lost lost focus of that. And it, it's taken a, a long time. You know, I, I struggled for, you know, this, I'm 38 years old right now. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at, you know, coming up on 20 years almost. Um, and this was, you, you believe a lot in part because you lost your dad? Yeah. Um, when I lost my dad, I, I started searching to fill that void. Really? Right. And I was another thing that was fortunate enough growing up, I, I grew up in the church, right? So mm-hmm. God was important. I was baptized at an early age. Um, always, you know, knew that that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior. But I, I got away from that, and I thought I could do it all on my own. Yeah. And I, I thought I started realizing that I wasn't living up to, you know, if I. I wasn't living up to the standards that I had in my own mind. Right. And that brought upon a little shame. And then, you know, my dad, when he passed away, he, he never made a lot of money, mm-hmm. but he left me. I mean, he was an incredibly good steward of his money. And right. he, he left me a significant inheritance. And some of the financial choices that I made during oh. that time period, um, let's just say I, I've learned some lessons from, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that brought upon shame as well. And instead of being accountable, I tried to cover that up. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to hide it. I tried to rise above it on my own, and eventually, thank you know, thankful for God that I had this revelation that this whole time I was perceiving this as a as a this horrible event and that I'm a victim of, mm-hmm. right? And I'm a victim of my circumstances. But God, you know, just as clear as day, talked to me. Said, "You're in the financial industry for a reason." Oh, right. You, you are so on fire and you have this, this passion and this purpose for what you're doing because you're wanting to help other people not go through the same things that you did, right? Right. And I really started being accountable to myself. I humbled myself. Uh, a little humility goes mm-hmm. a long way. And uh, it's still a work in progress, but... Uh, one of my favorite quotes is Mark Twain, that the most important two days of your life are the day you're born and the day you figure out why. Mm. Wow. And when I figured out why, you know, and I look back and I saw the hardships that I basically put on myself, mm-hmm. but then realizing, okay, now I'm in this industry where I can help people turn their lives around. And I'm back to what I mentioned earlier, doing my part to make the world a little bit better place. Right. It all made sense. Yeah. Right, and and I'm grateful for going through that 
and and now I get to continue uh, helping people in their journey, and uh, it's meaningful. Yeah. So I, I do want to ask you something because you had mentioned, um, you know, your dad being extremely proud of you and you having him as a support system throughout your life, right, up until that point of that he left. Um, you then said that after he left, you then tried to fill that void. So <clears throat> for somebody that, you know, obviously – for me and my story, I didn't have a dad around yeah. for that. So in my mind, like, you know, when you see the movies, you know, and dad's like, I'm proud of you. And then, you know, it's gone like that usually spurs people on or that gives them the thing. So what was the what was the emotional, um, I guess, connection that caused do you feel that made you have to feel feel like you felt to fill the void, so to speak? I would say that I felt that there was injustice done, that it wasn't fair. And I just wanted to escape maybe. Oh, okay. So maybe, maybe void. I mean, there was a void that I was trying to fill, mm -hmm. but when I, when I escaped, I did all the wrong things, you know, instead of, going to God, all of our Father, and, and what He wants us to, you know, what has He provided us and what do we need to provide our children? It's love, right? And validation. Right. And maybe maybe that was the void that I was missing that I was trying to fill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. I mean, like I said, for me, um, even just this weekend, you know, I uh, went to a, an event where um, that validation was a, a, a topic, you know, and not having my father to be the person to, to give me that was, it was painful um, to think, man, I, I never had anybody to care that much for me. Um, and I even called my wife, you know, I was crying and just, you know, I haven't cried in like six years, like. It's been a long time just yeah. because I've just got myself to this point where I realized that, you know, I just went numb, so to speak. Um, but, you know, you having that experience, like, say, a Mike Tyson did with Customato when he died, you know, it's just like you're trying to numb that pain, you know. It's just for me, you know, and, and people that are like me, you know, we, we tend to glorify the idea of having your dad around and, you know, it's just, you know, I, I just, it's just thinking about you losing him and then it's still causing that, that void is, is very important, especially to what we're trying to do with Birthright is just so people understand, like, at any stage in your life. To have your dad not not there is is yeah. a really um, hard trial. Yeah, you know that's a really painful thing. Uh, I'm glad that your purpose was being able to be um, realized out of that. Same for me, you know, with my dad not being around, with me not being in my children's lives, you know, it made me realize like, 
not only did my dad not fight for me the way that I felt, but then to have to realize that I didn't do it either. You know what yeah. I mean? It was just like, oh, crap. Right. You know, I can't throw stones because <laughs> it's like, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And as I'm, as I'm contemplating with my wife to enter the battle of a lifetime, you know, to fight for my children and to fight for, you know, just to be involved. It's just like, man, to be able to have the experience that you had. So anyway, sorry to go so all into that. It gave me a thought that, you know, I wanted to honor him so much because of what he did for me. Mm -hmm. And I put this perfection mm. image in my head of, of what, I needed to be to in order to be perfect and and what I needed to be in order to honor him. And nobody's nobody on this earth is perfect, yeah. right? It's it's an unattainable goal. Absolutely. And it's dangerous because mm -hmm. it, if if you have that mentality that you need to be perfect, there's going to be a point in time where there's there's something that's going to come in and crack. Yeah. You know, it, talk about like a dam on a lake. If you get a crack know it's just going to spread further and further and further until the whole lake spills out and one of the revelations that i finally came to was you should embrace the beauty in imperfection mm -hmm. right because we're all imperfect but we can use our stories and the lessons we've learned yeah to then turn them into a positive you know, you look at the Bible, it's riddled. I mean, God uses flawed people. Yeah. And it's, you shouldn't cover that up. Yeah. You shouldn't try to hide it. You should use it. Yeah. And I finally started using <laughs> yeah. it. You know, it took me several more years than I would have liked. But talk about that day that I realized why I was born. Yeah. That's a great feeling. So how did, did you figure this out before you became a father or during? So I would, I would say after. Okay. After I, I became a father, I've been married twice. And okay. uh, so my first marriage, we had two girls, uh, Tinsley and Briley, light of my life. They're amazing. Um, but I think I was still trying to fill voids that whole time, mm -hmm. right? And I was doing things for not the right reason. I wasn't, didn't necessarily have God first in my life. And um, that puts a strain on on things yeah right when, when you're not being accountable when you're when you're trying to cover things up and trying to put this image out that you're perfection per perfect to the world you know it's it's not healthy and it carries over to your finances and your emotional and your physical and just everything yeah. right um and it took a toll on my first marriage yeah and um so i i would definitely say that that yes it carried over and but you know one of the things that uh we, we keep going back to is that I, that I did finally understand that and uh, I use that and I use my flaws and I use my story with other people and I also use it with my children yeah. and I also like to educate my children on that imperfection is okay yeah right you know, n nobody's perfect how would you say that it changed your your parenting style once you were okay with like you know what this is my story um, 
this is who God made me to be. I now know what my purpose is. Like you're just light on fire, right? Right. So then how does that transfer to those two little girls that you have? Like, does that, do you just like, girls, look, we're going to do different. Everything's going to be different. Like, what was that like for you? So you, you just, you know, you, you cherish them. Um, and you have a lot more patience uh-huh. with them, right? And, and you enjoy the time that you do have. And I think I'm much more present now, you know. Um, I think one of the, the biggest things people can do is just allow your mind to come to the present tense. Enjoy the wind that's blowing right now. Enjoy the sun that's shining on your face. Enjoy your children playing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and don't, before I was, you know, so busy on, work or trying to maintain perfection or whatever that I think I, I miss some of those moments with my children. Right. And now I cherish those moments with my children and I am, I am present with them. I am tuned in and I'm, I'm just trying to make them uh, the best kids that I can be and, and have as much fun as we can have. Nice. Do you notice, was there a, a difference in the way that you were able to interact with your ex-wife? Yes. Uh, so it was during this time I still had that victim mentality, mm-hmm. which, which is just nobody wins. Right. Right. And whenever you feel, even if it is unjust, whatever yeah. happens to you, if you take on that victim mentality, you're going down a dead end road Yeah. because that leads to blaming others for your problems or not taking accountability yourself and that leads to conflict and fight. And when you're pointing a finger at somebody else, they're pointing the finger at you. Yeah. And that is certainly not healthy for the relationship, but it's also not healthy for the children. And, you know, one of the things that I've done through the revelations of some of the things I talked about is I, I did go to my ex-wife and I said, hey, I'm sorry. Wow. You know, and because we all play our role. And it yeah. takes two. Yeah. And... Um, I think just that simple gesture went so far in bringing us back together. And and there's a long road to go to continue that. Um, but we are on that road and it, and it feels really good. And the, the kids have noticed it too. Right. Right. You know, my oldest just last week said, I'm so happy that you and mom are getting along. Right. (laughs) And no matter how unjust you feel, no matter how unfair it's been, just let it go. Yeah. Get along, help the children, put them in a healthy environment, and do the best you can and be accountable for what you can do and what's in your control and not worry about things that are out of your control. Yeah, that's dope. I mean, I mean, I can't tell you. Um, just being that you have <clears throat> in your lifetime been able to come to that realization um, of the responsibility of you as a man. Um, so I know this, that you said you leaned a lot into God on, and in the church. Did you ever have any other male, um, kind of, um, companions or yeah, mentors that you, you know, look to, to kind of help you process this stuff or for sure. Um, I've got a, a, a solid group and it's very important what you just said. I learned lessons the hard way of trying to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was for, you know, just trying to cover up and, 
and hide the shame and just be on my own and do it my way. But we're meant to go through this life with, with others. Right. And the more people that you can surround yourself with, the better off you'll be. And so whether it's coaches or, you know, a group at work or whatever, uh, you need that, that support around you and iron sharpens iron. Right. Um, so that's one of the things that I have, I have embraced. And a big reason why I'm here is I want everybody to know that you need to plug in to a group. You need to have that mentor, that partner, or, you know, seek it out, find, find some people that will support you, have that person that's, that's always there for you and, and go to them and, and be accountable, be honest, be transparent. And, you know, if somebody's out there that doesn't have that person in life, I, I, I would love to, to help anybody out there, yeah. you know, and I know you would too. Absolutely. Um, and I just think that's, that's what life's about is supporting others, helping people, you know, get through their, their own ordeals and if we can share our story and our short, our story will, will help with that and, you know, straighten, straighten some curves out a, along the way. Amen. Yeah. And that's why we do the, you know, that's why we do the fatherhood meetings. Um, you'll get to experience one today. I'm um, excited. On, you know, we do that so that we can, you know, bring together, you know, fathers, you know, it's not, um, circled around any, you know, religious belief. It's not circled around any cultural beliefs. It's just, Hey man, you as a father, what, what are you going through? You know, what are some things that are, um, that are happening in your world? You know, cause sometimes, you know, we don't realize how good of a job we're doing and put all that pressure and shame and guilt, or sometimes they're doing things and, you know, they don't realize that they are responsible. You know, you can't say that, you know, you're all of a sudden the head of the household and everybody's supposed to be the boss, uh, you know, listen to you because you're the boss. But then if everything is in chaos, that's your fault. For <laughs> you sure. I mean? Like, and it's, it's just crazy to me how people disconnect those thoughts. So it's different when you have a group of, of, of like-minded people, like you're saying, to be able to go through life with, cause they can call you on your stuff. You yeah. know, the support is, is unbelievable. Uh, as far as, something that's beneficial to people, but also the accountability factor, mm -hmm. right? To have somebody that, that you don't have to cover up. You don't have to, you know, shade your story to, to fit. And you can just really, because just like you said, whether it's going through financial trouble or a divorce or whatever situation you're in, if you peel away enough layers, you're going to be looking at a mirror. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's where, I finally got to is, is looking in that mirror and accepting, you know, I'm not a victim of circumstances. I control my circumstances. Right. So where do we go from here? Yeah. That's huge. Wow. 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 It makes me think this, we went to this conference and they were telling us about um, essentially stones in the heart. But if you're an imagery person like I am, I'll give you the, the imagery to go along with I love it. That. So. I am an imagery person. <laughs> All sure. right. So if you can just imagine a mediator or a meteor coming down, hitting the earth, right? The impact for one is astronomical. It does damage and it's a ripple effect of damage, right? But then it also digs this deep crater. Well, then if you address it, 
if you get the get the meteor out, if you tend to the hole, you which would be a healthy habit of healing from whatever traumatic event happened to you, then it becomes solidified ground again. But often what we want to do is this traumatic event happens, whether our father wasn't there, our father was there and he was neglectful, whatever the case it is, fill in the blank. Things are going to fill that hole no matter what whether it's intentional, whether it's accidental. So now we've got gum wrappers, we've got weeds, we've got all these things filling this hole. And yeah, it got back to the surface level, but it's not a solidified ground anymore. And so you've compromised the integrity of that ground. And what begins to happen is you've got this stone way down here, all these pebbles on top of it. And so now you're at a store and, and the clerk says something to you and it happens to be male and you just ripped his, you know, ripped him a new one. And you're like, oh man, why did I get so offended? Why did I do that? You have no clue why you got so angry at this man. You know, this man's probably traumatized now, you know. (laughs) Well, then if you track it back down, it all comes back from this meeting. Something that triggers a memory from that traumatic event that happened to you, they become these pebbles and they become these ripple effect actions that you then portray into your family, into your children, into poor clerk people um, for this example. Um, So so as you guys are talking about these, these impactful moments that have happened in our heart, I just want to make sure that we take a moment to capture that and capture the intensity of that. And I think especially for men, you know, there's so much pressure on them to be the man and do the thing and accomplish and achieve. But you've got to also realize that you've got a heart. It's a function of a human being, you know, and there are traumatic experiences that you've gone through throughout your entire life. And if you don't deal with those, if you don't address them, they're going to poison things, you know, and then it's however long before we realize it, however much damage we've done until we got to it you know so I you can only cover things up for so long exactly you know exactly they're gonna surface yeah yeah beautiful I like that I really do um you know and I think the, the key word that I, I felt whenever you were telling that story is for me is covering it up and then the, the shame of you know whether it was from not living up to my dad's expectations or you know going through a divorce which I never dreamed that I would ever would something would ever happen to me and you know not not being that perfect image out there in society like don't worry about it mm-hmm. because in my case i know that god forgives all sin mm-hmm. as long as i say, accept him into my heart i know that that my sin is as far as the east is from the west and with that your sin is forgotten it never happened in god's eyes and that is the only thing that I have found that alleviates that shame for me. I'm like, okay, I can finally let it go. Mm-hmm. I'm forgiven. My father's forgiven me. And it also helps me in the fact that who am I to judge or not forgive somebody else? Mm-hmm. Right? Including the injustices that I dealt with and I you know, fought so hard and so long. Now I'm able to forgive those because I was able to forgive myself. Yes, I'm so glad you said that, the forgiveness of yourself. A lot of people forget that part, like, oh, I'm forgiven, great. But if you don't forgive yourself, you're still holding on to it. For sure. It's awesome. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm I'm on the other side of that where I'm I'm still trying to understand the sonship of it all. You know what I mean? It's because it's like, in your mind, you want to be like, I'm forgiven, like, but it's like, I'm still living it. You know what I mean? Like it's I see, something that I still see my kids, you know, on Facebook and stuff. So it's like, ah, you yeah. know. we'll always work on it every yeah. day. And, you know, that's something that I've, I've realized in my current marriage that 
I still have tendencies and there's still things that have, that have carried over and I have to stay plugged in every day. I have to be surrounded with other individuals that are better than me or that support me. And I have to continuously plug into, you know, I'm, I'm big on podcasts and, you know, Craig Rochelle, Andy Stanley, Ed Milet, you know, you know, people that will continuously put positive thinking in your mind. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, with the groups that, that you call your friends, yeah. you, you want to be very selective with those people and you want to make sure that they are there for your best interest. They're going to support you and that you can be, be yourself with them and be up front and they'll make you better. Yeah. That's awesome. So do you, um, are you guys like really tight knit with a couple with other couples that have children and things like that? Uh, yes. Um, so, so we, we have a, you know, a, a church group, which most of the couples have, have kids and, um, plug in, do Bible plans and things like that. Uh, at my Inspire Financial Group is, is where I've started and been three years and I've created my own group within there. But, but all those men have families and, you know, we, we go into work and, and have Monday morning trainings and it's partly about the training, but then it's also about, you know, supporting each other. And, you know, if, if a guy walks in, we can all tell that something's going on just by, by his mannerisms and we're there to pick him up and pray for him and put hands on him and support him and whatever we can do to help. And, mm-hmm. and man, people need that. If we could just yeah. all, all come together and support each other, it'd be a pretty good, pretty good world. Absolutely. Do your kids pray with you at night or how do you guys do that? Yeah, the, for sure. Home? So, so they have their prayers that they say and, uh, you know, we, we say prayers with them as well. Um, and then I always encourage them to, Hey, you don't have to say it out loud. You know, you can just, whatever you think. And it's not just a at bedtime thing. Right. And that's something that I continuously try to work on too, is just having conversations with God throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Like, thank him be grateful see see his blessings around you and uh it's one of the things that i want to instill in my children is that you know god is always with you and you can see his beauty and his work in everything if you just open your eyes and also listen right don't just talk don't just say the the words to the prayer or read the words in in the bible Mm -hmm. but meditate on them think about them and listen because god will talk to you Right now, what? Well, God talks to you. Yeah, you may not hear a voice, but those thoughts you think in your head after you pray, or you ask Him for something, or you tell Him you're thankful for something, that's God. Yeah. Or the next day, whenever something a miracle happens or something that you wanted comes through, then you get it. That's God, right? Give Him the thanks, and it's uh, you know, it's a game changer. Yeah, it really is. That that gratitude and and that uh, open heart to God for me is. Man, it just the more intimate you can get with God, the better off you'll be. Yeah. Amen to that. So you talked about the Inspire Financial. What is the uh, what is the what what do, what do you guys do there? Yeah. So it's a it's a holistic financial planning firm, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I'm super proud about our our group is we take it so much further than just numbers, right? It's not just about money. Because mm-hmm. money doesn't motivate people, right? If, if it did, everybody would be rich. Right. There's a reason why they're not. It's because it doesn't motivate you. Yeah. And that's where we don't feel like numbers are goals and goals aren't numbers. So as opposed to the traditional 
financial advisor would say, hey, I see you got 7% last year. I think get you eight. You know, get you a little bit better return. We're digging in to see what is significant to you. Yeah. What is your origin story? Right. What are you trying to accomplish in life? Right. What is meaningful to you? What is your purpose? And it takes some work. It, it really does because society puts all this pressure on us not to dream and, and knocks us down that we can't be anything that we want. We can't accomplish things. We can't. You just got to set your mind to it. And, and we go through some, some exercises with our clients that, that really opens their eyes. And I can't tell you, I share a lot of my stories with my clients. I can't tell you how many times I've cried mm-hmm. while meeting with clients. And clients will cry. You know, you yeah. break down those walls of, you know, the taboo. I can't talk about things or whatever. Right. And you get to the meaningful stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's what our job truly is. Get to the meaningful stuff. Okay, now let's reverse engineer. How can we, how can money be a tool for you to accomplish that? Mm. And what's the best way to allocate that or invest it for you to accomplish what's meaningful to you? Uh, And so, hence, you know, Inspire Financial Group, we're trying to inspire people to think bigger, uh, inspire people to think differently about money. And then within that, my group, Purpose First Financial, is, you know, let's tie in your purpose to this and and any way that, that we can help whether it's financial or otherwise, that's what we're there for. Um, so it's, it's really a holistic planning where we look at the insurances and the taxes and the investments, and we just make sure everything is as efficient as possible, but also that it's aligned with that ultimate goals and purposes for that specific individual. That's amazing. Anything? Your thoughts? Yeah, I love it. I mean, I think I gave you everything I had a minute ago. She, uh, she's a big numbers person. She loves to help, uh, you know, with her job as well. So, it's, it's uh, definitely a big part of it. Yeah, you know? man. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to know to, you know, to when you come from a place where you don't know how to be a good steward, you know, to be able to get someone that genuinely, you know, I watch her. Uh, with one of one of the dads that we had, you know, where she's just really helping them understand, you know, what it is that's happening um, so they can get back to their, you know, get back together on, on their feet to be able to see that. So I can only imagine what it would be like on a large scale with what you guys are doing um, to be able to get them because we're I mean, we're not giving them financial advice by any means, basically just kind of helping them sort through the things to figure out what, well, it's all connected you know, where to start. But yeah. it's just like when you, I think you said something very powerful of, you know, what matters to you, you know, what's going to motivate you to get up and do the thing, you know, cause the money is just a tool. It's not, it's not a, it's not an end all. It's not a be all. It's the journey. You know, right. it's just something that passes through you to get to, where you're trying to go and that's wherever you're you're being led to go you know for, for me sure. it's birthright you know and it's like doing my job every day you know is just so i can come to do this you know right. and be able to meet with the dads and be able to show other people that you know through my story through my mess ups through my uh you know cataclysm of a of a fatherhood story excuse me um you know that there's a way for you to to avoid some of these pitfalls for sure so i i definitely appreciate it man yeah um you know we're about to jump into the private father group is there uh any lasting words that you have darling before we uh get started (laughs) 
No, no, but just I or I guess yes, I suppose. Um, on the financials tidbit, we you know we don't realize how much our culture um, impacts our understanding of finances. And so just for those of you listening, you know, it's so important that you do get that groundwork, that baseline of understanding of what a credit bureau is, what you're doing with that, how you're moving forward. And what Marquise just said, I love, he, he said, your money is a tool. Exactly. Your money is a tool. It is not your source of life. So you shouldn't ever feel like you're having to, to live for this paycheck, but instead you're making that paycheck work for you. Um, and so, so yeah, that's, like I said, I'm, I am passionate about that. I'm passionate about people who, who don't get that, that educational. I didn't get it. You know what I mean? Like, right. ooh, we, yeah, we one grew of, up rough. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things that, one of the words that we use a lot is abundance, mm. right? And if, if you can get to a point where you are thinking abundantly, mm-hmm. you know, it, it opens up so many doors. And to speak on improving your finances, I would encourage people to, really embrace their origin story or, or whatever it is that changed the trajectory of their life, right. embrace it and find out how can, why am I grateful for that? Yeah. Mm. Because it's, you know, it's obviously led me to where I'm at. Now, how am I going to use that experience to uh, find my purpose yeah. or, or what's fulfilling to me? And one of the practices that we do with our clients is we'll say, okay, I don't want you to think about this but I want you to tell me the number that pops in your head as soon as I ask this question. Don't overthink it, just first number. I'll say, when are you gonna die? I have them write that number down. I said, okay. So say it's 85. Right. So, all right, we're gonna go to 84. You, you know you're dying at 85 at this point, but you're 84. You've got one year to live. How do you ideally foresee yourself living that year? And we'll have them write down, you know, financially, where are they at? Physically, how that? How are their relationships? What are they wanting to do? And they write all these things down. And then I say, okay, well, if you're living that life and you're able to do all those things, you've probably got more than a year to live, right? And, you know, with today's modern science and technology, who knows what, what advances may come right. in, in the coming years. So now, knowing that, how many extra years do you think you'll have to live? And I'll say 10, 15, whatever, whatever the number is. And I'll say, okay, so with those 15 extra years, what would you most want to accomplish? And so they'll, they'll go in and they'll write some things down and we'll take that and then come back to why can't we start doing things now to help you start that process? Right. Right. And that's where we start tying in the financials and that helps us like better find ways to invest or have you invest in yourself or the business or or whatever that meaningful thing is yeah we're going to align everything towards that yeah well that's awesome what was your number i know you did it oh the number yeah oh man you don't want to hear my number it well now i do it especially it geez. it was an 85 <laughs> i can <laughs> oh man i got about abundance three. i got, I got about three years left so no, just kidding I have no idea. I, you know, I was in the 70s. I think it was like 72 or something like that. Nice. But it wasn't 80. I, didn't get it. I, didn't, I got 78. But this, the second part of the exercise, <laughs> it was like 110. So he, he gained 40 years to accomplish yeah, some yeah. big time <laughs> things. <laughs> I'll take All it. Right. Well, thank you guys so much. We're about to jump in the, the fatherhood 
uh, group, feel free to join us on Birthright Living Legacy on Facebook, on Instagram. And if you're here locally, we're definitely going to be having our meetings every other Thursday. Uh, watch for the uh, calendar events. And 7 p.m. 7 p.m. So until then, we will see you on the next time. And here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> Birthright Living Legacy needs your help. As we are on a mission to help fathers who are needing to overcome obstacles to see their children. We are preparing to provide curriculum, counseling, and family law assistance for any of our fathers. We will also have many fun events to participate in with their children as we build a fatherhood community. Partner with us on Facebook or Instagram and go to our website at brlivinglegacy.com and go to our donation tab on the bottom of the page to make a contribution. For any questions, contact us on any of our platforms as we would love to help. Birthright Living Legacy, changing lives one father at a time.